Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy, Kevin Luco. And this week, Kevin and I are honored to welcome the new manager of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, Logan Watkins. Logan, thanks for joining us this week. Guys, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. You know, that is really strange to say right now, Logan, <laughs> the new Winnipeg Gold Eyes manager after great job you were doing down there in Cleburne. And uh, first of all, congratulations. How's it feel to be the Gold Eyes manager? Yeah, thanks. It's um, it's exciting for me. Um, obviously, I I kind of had more of a, a long term approach to building that team in Cleburne. I thought we had a good your, a young core group of guys that were probably gonna you know return going into twenty twenty four. Um, so you know, there's some uh, there's some on my end at least. There's a little bit of disappointment knowing that you know I didn't get to see that through, but at the same time, um, I guess when one door closes, another one opens, and Winnipeg is. Uh, has obviously been a you know a strong player in this league for a long time and um you know i i think they have a they have everything organized well there i mean it's my dealings with them so far i mean they've got everything put in place and uh i think i'm going to have a lot less on my plate this year than i previously had just as far as some of the organizational stuff um so excited to be joining a, a great organization great ownership um and uh you know, kind of trading in 115 degree heat for, I'm assuming, I haven't been to Winnipeg in May, but I can't imagine it's going to be that warm. <laughs> you know, I have to tell you, Logan, that the thing that jumped out at me and Kevin Volth is, is when we first saw this announcement was, I didn't even know Greg Taggart wasn't going to be back. Um, were you surprised that that job was even open? Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, I honestly, when I when I first found out Cleburne wasn't going to have me back, I I didn't know really what the options were, uh, you know, going forward. I um I pre I preferably I wanted to stay in this league, um, and you know, there's a lot of great managers in this league. I think every every manager on every team brings a lot to the table. So uh, initially, you're thinking, well, that might be the end of my run in the American Association. I, I was here as a player uh, with the Wingnuts. And then obviously been uh, managing the last three years, um, so I guess maybe I was thinking, what, what's the Atlantic League got opening? Uh, I checked with some affiliated teams to see, and you know it's pretty early in the process for them, so they're not like jumping on hiring guys right away. But I kind of put some feelers out just to see what my options would be, and uh, you know thankfully I got a call from from Winnipeg, and here we are. Now, as you mentioned, this is you know, one of the very first franchises in independent baseball, partner league baseball, I should say now, um, and long history, long tradition of success over there. When you're starting out at, at Cleburne, an organization still pretty new to the American Association and, and independent baseball, and now you're in one of the blue chip franchises, that, that's a pretty big jump for you, I would think. Yeah, I mean, you know, I won't ever say a bad word about about Cleburne, but um, there's a lot of trial and error there. You know, they're still developing as an organization, and um, you know, we had we had our difficulties there as far as you know whether it's getting visas for guys and or just you know just things like that. Like we're we just weren't quite uh, positioned and had the experience maybe to know what we were dealing with a lot of times. But um, I think uh, if if there's one thing that's really evident so far with Winnipeg is that. 
you know, there's they've encountered everything so far. And, uh, you know, many of the questions that I have, because, you know, I, I don't know a ton of the rules maybe. I don't know the ton, like about the visa process and stuff like that. That's normally a front office deal. Um, and, and, you know, dealing with them so far, uh, their front office has got every every question you need answered. They got the answer to. So that's been uh, it's been really nice. And a lot of it is off my plate now. So I can focus solely on on building this team. And um, it's uh, obviously it's still early in the off season, but it's been a it's been a really nice uh, breath of fresh air for sure. So now, other than stacking up on warm clothing, what, what what's the next step for you in the process with uh, Gold Eyes? Are you looking at possibly seeing if some of the guys that you had with Cleburne could go with you to Canada? Are you looking at Winnipeg's roster, kind of looking at, okay, what guys do I want to keep and try to develop a team around? What's, what's going on with you right now with uh, – process yeah so right now i've been um we protected i'm not sure the exact number but we protected i think in winnipeg 16 17 of the guys from last year and now that obviously doesn't mean that they're all going to be back um that'll be organization decision and their decision too because that's obviously a two-way street um but i've been i've been trying to get uh communication lines going with a lot of the guys I know that I do want back. Um, obviously, the first text you send out is to to Max Murphy. Um, and, you know, I've talked to Dason Cruz, talked to a lot of those guys. That I mean, they had a – the core of their team I thought was really strong last year. Um, and I think there's a, there's a lot of value in bringing a lot of them back. Um, and uh, as far as, like, players from Cleburne, uh, I believe Cleburne protected everyone that they had the rights to. So – um, I think, you know, a lot of the players obviously reached out to me and said wherever I go, they want to go too. Um, but as long as Cleburne has their rights, you know, I can't really pursue that. So um, when some of those guys maybe get their rights free or kind of get a, get on the same page uh, with what Cleburne's going to do as an organization, then probably we can have those conversations. But um, it's just, it's going to be, a, it's going to be an interesting year as far as roster building just because, I don't know if you guys heard Mexico, um, uh, they expanded their import roster spots to 20 players now. So um, I think there's going to be a lot of guys in the organization or in in the American Association, uh, especially on the older side. I think uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunities opening up for them in Mexico. And a lot of those guys are uh, some of the better players in our league are playing winter ball down there right now. And I'm sure that's just making a case for them to play summer ball down there next year. So, um, and and you want that opportunity for them. I, I mean, Zach Narrier is a guy that, um, you know, is playing winter ball in Mexico right now. I think he's doing a pretty good job. I'm I just having conversations with him the last few years, and, and there's many players in the league in the same scenario as him. It's like you can only play independent ball for so long. We, these guys aren't making a ton of money. Um, Mexico is an opportunity for them to – if they're on the last few years of their career, they, they, they want to go and make that money, and you can't even blame them. I did that myself as a player, so I, I get what they're com- where they're coming from. Um, and I think you're probably going to see this league uh, get a little bit younger uh, either this year or next year moving forward. You talked about reaching out to Max Murphy at first. What's that conversation look like for you? 
Um, yeah, he got back. He said uh, he was excited to see I got the job. Um, he said he's not sure what he's going to do yet. Uh, I think, you know, I'm sure he's enjoying his time playing winter ball in Mexico. I think he's doing a good job this last time I checked. Um, and uh, I think he's probably just going to, He's gonna make whatever decision works out best for him and his family. Obviously, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push him one way or the other. I'd love to have him back because I think uh, the Winnipeg fan base is gonna really want to see him back. Um, so if if he if he decides he wants to come back, then we're definitely gonna make sure we get a deal done. Knowing Murphy, if the fish are still biting up in Winnipeg, it's probably gonna be a good chance he'll come back. Yeah, I, I heard uh, I heard he's kind of one of those kind of guys, so hopefully that appeals to him. Now, looking back at Cleveland for a little bit with this here, Logan, fantastic hitting club you had over the last couple of years with there. It was that starting pitching that caught fire at the end of the season, uh, second half of the season a couple of years ago, really kind of struggled a little bit this year. Winnipeg, in a similar boat, uh, struggling starting staff, Luis Ramirez has looked fantastic for them. There is some very solid pieces to that. So does that kind of become your priority about building that rotation and working from there now? Um, yeah, I mean, if you look at Winnipeg's starting rotation last year, I, I think you look at Joey Matulovic, who was probably one of the best pitchers in the league. Uh, Ramirez was good. Um R.J. Martinez, Landon Barasa. I mean, all all those guys had respectable years. Uh, and, you know, I've had conversations with, I think, all of them so far. Um, just kind of seeing where their head's at for next year. Guys that I think bring a lot of value back to the organization. Uh, yeah, as far as Cleburne goes, um, kind, of a, kind of an odd year. Uh, like you mentioned, offensively, um, Last two years, you feel like we can swing it with, you know, every other team in the league. Uh, and it's really, I mean, I don't know if you guys have been out to Cleburne, but um, the last two years, it seemed like more so than the first year I was there, the wind was always seeming to just blow out to left, which obviously worked out great for for our offense. Um, I'm sure our pitching staff wished that wasn't the case all the time. But, uh, you know, we had we had a good team. I, I I have no regrets from last year. It's it's one of those things where, you know, the team you you think you're starting the season with, um, obviously sometimes you lose guys, and we lost our number one and number two starters, and Riley Smith and uh, Michael Marriott, who both got back to affiliated baseball. Michael Marriott actually got back to the big leagues, um, and we lost our closer, who ended up retiring, who was doing a great job. I think he thought he was going to get picked up the first couple months and um, he was coming off Tommy John and he was still in upper 90s and nobody really signed him. So I think uh, he made a decision that it was just he was just going to shut it down. You lose someone like Delano DeShields at the top of your lineup for injury for the rest of the season. We didn't get Edwin Arroyo in. He, got, he tore his labrum playing uh, winter ball. Um, and we lost Ryan Hernandez, uh, who was probably going to be the rookie of the year, honestly, the way he started the year. But he got picked up by the Angels, which was awesome for him. Uh, we lost Jose Sermo to Mexico for uh, about a month, and I think he still led the league in home runs. Um, we, I mean, we had we had a lot of pieces that if we could have just got clicking at the right time, uh, 
and you know what? We we beat Chicago game one of that first series and went went to Chicago uh, for those last two games and gave them a fight. That was a really good Chicago team. Uh, I thought they had a really good chance to win it. I think they came up just short, but um, my time in Cleveland, especially this last year, it was it was uh, it was great. A lot of great players. I I really enjoyed uh, that job. Okay, now let, let, let me ask you honestly here, Logan, because Brad Allred said this to me before the season began. So one day I reached out to him and I said, Brad, I want to tell you, this was like the day before the season began. I, I said, I want to tell you, I just, in my article leading into the season, I said, Logan Watkins is going to be manager of the year. Jose Sermo is going to be player of the year. Kevin Hilton is going to be pitcher of the year. And Cleburne's going to make the championship series. And he said to me, you just doomed us, Rob. So um, our, our struggle, struggles this season, am I responsible for the struggles of the Cleveland Railroaders by predicting no, that? No, I mean, I, I think uh, I think you were on to something at the start of the year. I mean, and you can't even, like, we're, we're in this job. We're trying to get these guys back to affiliated baseball. I think we, maybe us and Fargo uh, had the most guys picked up either back to affiliated ball or Mexico. Um and so I was really proud of that. And it's unfortunate for your team, obviously, because you're losing great players. Uh, and it's not just that you can't just pick up a phone and replace a great player with a great player who's sitting on the couch somewhere ready to play. I mean, most really good players have jobs. So um, so was the was the team success what I thought it was going to be at the start of the year? No, I mean, I thought, I thought we had a chance to do everything you just said. Um, but when you lose guys – other than Edwin Arroyo and Delano DeShields to in injury, when you lose guys who are getting opportunities to go to Mexico or to affiliated baseball, um, it's hard not to call, you know, that aspect of this job a success. So uh, I was really proud of that team we were starting the season with. I thought, And I think we jumped out of the gate pretty quick um, and showed that we were going to be a really tough team to beat. Um, and then, you know, just the way the season goes, that's independent baseball and, that's that's the job that uh, I signed up for. When you get guys back to affiliated baseball, you got to find a way to replace them. And uh, thought we did that the best we could, and we were, we had a fighting chance there at the end, and just uh, came up short. Now, being a guy who's managed in the American Association for a few years now, what what's kind of different for you now as you head into this season? What what have you learned? What what are things that you look to implement now that you have learned over these first few years? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I I think every season and every team is just kind of you know has its own challenges. Uh, you know, like in Cleveland, one of the things that you know you kind of learn the more time you spend there is. Um, is you you want to keep the core of the team together, which we did, and I, I'm I'm almost loyal to a fault. When we have guys that uh, we and we had four guys make the All Star game: um, Zach Narrier, Mark Caraviotis, uh, Hill Alexander, Sermo was going to go, um, and all four of those guys will probably tell you that they didn't finish the season last year as good as you know they would have hoped, but my loyalty is to them and I know how good of players they can be. And you're not going to find a game where I'm taking those guys out of the lineup. So, uh, but with Cleburne, the one thing I, I kept learning was, um, and, and I think it's the way we kind of finished the last two seasons, especially position player wise and hitting the baseball wise, uh, 
man, by the end of the year, those guys are gassed. It's it's a tough it's a tough ask of those players to play every day, and that kind of heat with those kind of road trips, um, and you know the guys like Zach Narrier who you know just are dreaming and hoping and praying that you know their numbers are finally going to give them an opportunity to get picked up and go back to affiliated baseball, and then that doesn't happen. I think there's a little bit of deflation there maybe that last month of the year, like, oh, man, I'm not getting picked up this year. So you kind of learn that um, the mindset of your, your team a little bit, and I think, if anything, I was tr- I was trying to figure out how best to keep those guys fresh and keep those guys positive, and uh, it's a really tough ask, and I'm sure that every team deals with that to an extent, but um, – just the mental and physical grind those guys go through in Cleburne and whoever takes that job next, I, I wish them the best of luck because it's a, it's a really tough ask. I, I think the league's going to add some teams down in Texas, which I think will hopefully alleviate some of those travel um, issues uh, and make, make a, a season easier on that team. Um, but if there's one thing I, I will say about my team I've had in Cleveland the last few years, you just got to give those guys credit for grinding through that season and and that heat and just the grind of minor league baseball is never easy, but it's definitely not easy when you're not making much money and, and you're hoping to get picked up and it doesn't happen. I know Cleveland will be in the rearview mirror once the 2024 season begins, but how much are you going to miss that rivalry that you guys had going with Kane County? Because I have to admit, that was a fun rivalry to follow the last couple of seasons. Yeah, it, it kind of uh, kind of escalated a little bit this last year. But, um, you know, me and George got a good relationship. I, I respect George a lot. And we're, uh, you know, he, he texted me congratulations when he saw I got this job. Um but yeah, I think it just kind of it kind of just felt like we kept matching up with them in like the most critical moments. Obviously, two years ago we played each other in the uh, first round of the playoff, and then um, this last year we played them. I think twelve out of eighteen games uh, that last month of the season. I think we played them. We played them six at home. Played Chicago maybe for six, and then played six in King County or maybe that's vice versa. But uh that I mean that's also another thing that that was kinda of difficult to manage in Cleveland. We played nothing but six game series. So I mean you're almost you're almost getting tired. Everyone probably hated us last year because you're almost tired of seeing us. We're there for a week and I'm sure, you know, we're 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 not everyone's uh best friends, they're not our best friends because we, we've seen them too much. You just kind of want to get away from teams after you play them three or four times. But uh, I think this last year, it was just, you know, we were right neck and neck with them in the playoff race, and it was a critical last month of the season, and we just saw them so much, and the games were so intense. And we played, I think in King County, that six-game series, we may have played three or four extra inning games or games that went down to the wire in the ninth inning. And so you can imagine that the uh, intensity and the, and the tensions were kind of uh, getting elevated a little bit. Now, you kind of hinted at this a little bit. So I I have to tell you, about seven years ago, Kevin and I are sitting in the St. Paul Saints uh, press box, and it's like August 15th or something, and a bunch of fans in the game were watching on the American Association uh, channel there are sitting in Winnipeg, 
snow hat and big jacket on. And I said, look at all these people in this cold weather gear. And Kevin said to me, well, it is August in Winnipeg, right? And so I'm a little curious, your thoughts about moving from super hot Cleveland in August to potentially quite cold in August, Winnipeg. Yeah. I mean, I, I live in Wichita, Kansas. So, um, I mean, we get, we get pretty cold winters. I imagine it's not to the extent of what we're going to be dealing with in Winnipeg, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm somewhat used to the cold and I mean, it's just one of those things that you, it's just the other extreme, you know, with the heat in Cleveland, you just got to embrace it because it's not going to change. And if you whine about it, then, you know, it's, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. So I think, uh, it's going to be the exact opposite, but the same mindset in Winnipeg, you just got to embrace it. And I'm actually looking forward to it. The, uh, the heat was fun. Let's try something different. What are the challenges moving from the east to the west this season for you? Um, you know, I don't know if there's much. I, you know, we play every team in the league every year, regardless. So now you're just playing the teams in the west twice. Uh, and you know, obviously, it's going to be a, it's always going to be a challenge with Kansas City on your side of uh, of the division. Um, you know, Joe does a great job putting a great team on the field. Um, and then, obviously, there's you know, two falls. I would say is on the rise. I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of challenges that um, that come with playing in the West. I'd say in the East, at least these last these last two years, I feel like the pitching in the East was um, no disrespect to anybody, but I feel like the pitching in the East was was really, really tough to deal with uh, this last year. Like I said, that last month we played King County a ton. We played Chicago a ton. And I think those two teams may have had the best pitching, definitely starting pitching in the league. And, uh, you know, uh, that, that probably contributed to us kind of limping through the finish line a little bit, just facing – you know, nonstop good starters every night. It wasn't really a, a let up at any night. And I think that, I mean, that speaks to the league as well. There's not a team in the league anymore where you just go into a series and you're like, yeah, we're, we're definitely winning the series, possibly sweeping it. There's no, there's no free wins anymore. Um, you know, when I, when I played for Wichita in this league, obviously the, uh, the air hogs were doing some experimental things with the team China or whatever. So, um, and I think that they, they were someone the league looked at, like when you play the Air Hogs, you need to win those games. Um, and then obviously with, with the Houston Apollos in the league, obviously a scrappy team, but those were games that you always felt like you should win. And that, that's just not the case anymore. Every every team in the league can get you, and every team's got good enough pitching that if that guy's on that night, you, you may have a tough time winning the game. Do you bring some of your staff with you that you had in Cleburne, or will you be going with an entirely new group with pitching coach and hitting coach and others out there to help you? Uh, I think it's probably going to be an entirely new, uh, entirely new staff. I um, you know, my pitching coach James Russell uh, was with me the last two years there. Uh, he was someone I played with in the big leagues, but he he lived forty minutes from Cleburne, which. And he's got two young kids, so that, I mean that was easier on him. Uh, I don't think going up to Winnipeg is kind of in uh, is kind of a possibility for him. And then uh, my hitting coach Jose Amato um, last year, uh, I think he may pursue uh, 
coaching in Mexico this next year. I don't know if he's decided quite on that yet. I noticed a former wing nut and former gold eye recently retired as pitching coach for the Washington Wild Things. Could we see Alex Bullshears possibly coming up? I have no idea. I've never met him. But if he uh, if he's looking for a job, he's more than welcome to contact me. I'm still uh, still kind of going through the the hiring process, I guess, if you will. Um, I reached out to uh, to a former uh, Chicago Cubs organization I was, player that I was with, uh, and a former Winnipeg Goldeye uh, player that I, I've known for a long time to see if he's interested in a hitting coach job. I'll let you guys try to guess who that is, but uh, I'm waiting to hear back from him. I'll let Rob figure it out. I can't even do Immaculate Grid at all. <laughs> I'll have to think on that one there for a little bit, Logan. Well, man, Logan, this is fantastic. So uh, what are your kind of thoughts as you're heading into the 2024 season? Are are, are, are you seeing yourself, because it seems like managers more and more over the last few years have started to build rosters earlier and earlier. It used to be like, March, nobody is when the first time guys were being signed, but now it's happening already. So, what's your plan for building that Gold Eyes roster this year? Um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. There's no off season buyout this year, which is nice. So, you know, if anyone signs with us or anybody in the league, um, that you know, there's no restrictions if an affiliated team wants to sign them. So, that I mean, that's a that's a good change that the league made this year. Um, and then there's there's no restrictions that they went to what the Atlantic League does where there's no restrictions in between leagues anymore. So um, if guys want to go to the Atlantic League, there's nothing stopping them anymore. So um, so kind of factoring all that in, I mean, I think I have a good idea of you know kind of what's going to come back from the Winnipeg team from last year. Um, just talking to them, a lot of a lot of them really seem like they enjoyed their time uh, in Winnipeg last year and are and are excited to come back. So, I think I have a pretty good idea of who's going to come back. And then, you know, you kind of got to wait to see as far as you know, guys getting released from affiliated ball this off season. Um, you know what what their agents and stuff are telling them. Cause like I said, the the import roster spots expanding in Mexico is gonna is gonna probably draw. Um, some of the older, higher level guys down there. So you kind of got to uh, see. I, it's going to be interesting to see what some of those guys and some of those level of players are are, are thinking as far as you know, what's best for their career. Because it used to be, you know, when when independent baseball or you know this league, the Atlantic League, it used to be the draw to come here was you have a better chance of getting signed by an affiliated team. Um, so that's why you take less money to come play here as opposed to Mexico because it's hard to get signed to go back to an affiliated team from Mexico. But the last few years, um, and it's not it's not anything to do with the talent level in, in the American Association or the Atlantic League or whatever, but the last few years, and maybe it's just the fallout from COVID, and then there's less affiliated teams out there, there's less jobs, um, fewer guys have been getting signed. So... Now you're almost you're losing that sales pitch a little bit when you're trying to get guys to come to the American Association. So um, hopefully that starts to pick back up and we can start getting more people and more players back to affiliated baseball because that's 
that's got to be our number one sales pitch to get those guys to play for us. So we'll uh, we'll kind of just let it play out, and hopefully we end up putting a good uh, team on the field in Winnipeg. So let me ask you, Logan, being in Winnipeg, so this is a two-part question for you. So we're going to see you out at some Winnipeg Jets games, make a hockey guy out of you now, and if so, should I start getting you some Wichita Thunder tickets right now to get you, get you in the mood? I mean, I think I it's probably going to be a requirement being the manager for uh, the Gold Eyes. I probably have to be a Winnipeg Jets fan now. I, I know staying there as an opposing manager and player, we you know, going to eat around the hotel, you walk right by the arena. So uh, I guess if I'm going to be spending so much time there, I might as well start going in and seeing what's going on in there. So I should get some Thunder tickets for you is what you're telling me. If you've got the hookup, you can go ahead and send them my way. I'll go check it out. Well, absolutely. I've been broadcasting Wichita Thunder hockey for the last few years, so I could totally take care of you there. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, let's have... do it. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Logan, Kevin, and I appreciate you joining us here tonight. This is only your second time for the show, so you, you might have forgotten this, but since you're our guest, you get to give us a final thought. So whatever you'd like to talk about, the floor is yours. Yeah, I, uh, I catch some of your guys' shows every now and then, so I remember that you guys do this. Um, I think uh, I haven't really given much thought to what my final thought would be, but I guess if anything, um, you know, you, you, I left the, I left Cleburne and didn't really get a chance to say uh, goodbye to a lot of really good people that work there, you know, as far as, uh, you know, like you mentioned, Brad Allred, who became, you know, one of the closest people to me when I was in Cleburne. Um, so didn't really get a chance to say goodbye to him in person. We've obviously talked over the phone, but, uh, you know, guys like uh, Dan Milam, who's the host family coordinator, uh, Rory Newenhouse is the assistant general manager, uh, Bill Adams that worked in the front office. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of really good people, a lot of really good fans um, that, you know, I, I don't want to say I took them for granted, but I just thought I'd see them again. So uh, I don't know if they listen or not, but I hope uh, hope they know that I appreciate them, and um, especially the fans. If anything, we may not get the best fans in Cleburne, but the ones that do come out, you know, night in and night out, you know, they may be the toughest fans in the American Association for, you know, sticking it out through uh, through that heat. That Texas heat's definitely something serious, and. You know the same the same main core group of fans were always there every night, and uh, sometimes you know before we had the pitch clocks, and we're playing four hour games. You're wondering how in the world are these still people are these people still here in the eighth inning, and you know we're we're winning nine to one and we're losing whatever nine to one, and they're still there and cheering and um, really appreciate all them. Uh, and then like I said, John Junker, the previous owner uh, in Cleburne. Uh, obviously, I had a great relationship with him, and uh, you know, if he doesn't pick up the phone and make that phone call uh, to Winnipeg on my behalf, then we're probably not, you know, doing this doing this show tonight. So, uh, definitely want to thank him and you know, just everyone in Cleburne, and definitely enjoyed my time. All the players that played for me there. Uh, I'm sure, we'll see each other again, but definitely. Uh, Definitely didn't get a chance to say goodbye in person, but hopefully enough of enough of them listen to the show and can 
hearing me at least say goodbye right now. So, Fantastic. Logan Watkins, thanks for joining Kevin and I this week. Yeah, for yeah, coming on the show, Brad Albert will be buying you dinner next time you guys meet up. Yeah, he better. <laughs> well, Kevin, great talking to Logan Watkins, and, and I know both of us are, are pretty happy that he wound up getting a, a different job here in the league and still going to be around for the season. It definitely is. He's a, you know, seems to me he's a good baseball man. He cares about his players and is passionate about what he does. And, I, you know, the more of those kind of guys that we can have in this league, the better the league's going to be. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, the personal note for us, I, I thought it was pretty impressive that he gave a special shout-out to the two of us on his way out of Cleveland. But you know what? The uh, I don't know if the American Association had, it, had this in mind. I thought this was kind of interesting, Kevin, but um, we're going to see – Logan back in Cleveland to begin the season, this time as the manager of the Winnipeg Goldies. Yes, I mean, how could you have – and no, it, it wasn't – they didn't just do a last-minute switch to make it happen. This was this was completely fate that had this occurred where Winnipeg will be opening the 2024 season in Cleveland, Texas. Yeah, that is pretty wild. I, I got to be honest with you, Kevin, because you just can't anticipate, you know, how how this could work out in the off season. But exciting that this is this is the deal. Um, Winnipeg has has been known to start their seasons down south just because it, it's it's uh, uh, sometimes snowing in uh, in May still in in Canada there. So um, they're beginning begin now they're in Cleveland, Texas, and you know, Kevin. Uh, this this is a team that has really struggled over the last couple of years to to get some consistency going. As Logan talked about, there's some real pieces there for a starting rotation that should be quite formidable if these guys return. Definitely, and um, and if you there, I don't know. I didn't look hard enough at the schedule to see how it shakes out after they're in Cleburne, but. To give these pitchers a chance to get stretched out where they're pitching in decent weather and not not only having to battle their own bodies to stretch out, but also battling the weather. If you don't have that to deal with, that's only going to help you in the long run. Well, as you were talking about, not not an easy stretch here. So you're going to start with Cleburne, then travel on to Kansas City, uh, which you know Joe Calpapietra always has a formidable lineup. But it seems like, Kevin... If there's a time to face Kansas City, it's at the beginning of the season when it takes that team a little bit of time to get rolling. So maybe that is the kind of scenario that Winnipeg needs. Cleburne has struggled at home over the last couple of years, and now Kansas City not as tough, it seemed, in the early part of the year. So it could get off to a good start for these gold eyes. You know, I heard a couple of references that – they think Kansas City's slow starts emanate because the last two years, two of their dates in which they would be playing preseason games were eaten up by playing against the Savannah Bananas, where you're not playing in a structured nine-in game. You're playing you're playing a gimmick game. Well, now that's not going to happen this season, so you have to wonder maybe Kansas City would get off to a better start because of that. 
Well, let's talk about looking at the overall schedule for this year, Kevin. Let's talk about, first of all, the obvious. So 12 teams in the league by the schedule. So we're not going to get expansion. Yeah, I was I was looking for at least a couple. It sounded like for this season that will not happen this year for sure. So uh, we're we're going to wind up staying at twelve. Um, a lot of things going on in the works behind the scenes from what what Kevin and I are hearing, and we're not going to speculate on those things right now. We'll wait and hold on to those for a little while here. But um, we're going to be at twelve, and uh, I'm I'm not I'm not going to deny it, Kevin. I thought we would see fourteen for sure this this year, but that, that's not going to materialize. But one thing we've learned from Josh and Josh is they want to make sure that ownership is ready, that stadiums are in place, that everything's having the greatest chance for success, and nobody looks like they're ready to go at this point. So the two Joshes make the smart move and decide to wait at least another year. And, you know, and on top of that, I didn't really get a chance to analyze too many schedules, but I, what I did scrutinize a little bit was Fargo-Moorheads, and it seems like the schedule makes a lot more sense travel-wise than it did last year, whether that's because maybe Fargo was more open for more early season home games or what the deal is. But it just, you know, I just randomly picked Fargo, looked over the their road trips, and to me, geographically, the schedule makes a lot more sense than it had been making in the last year or two. So... We'll see how that well, they, shakes out with other teams, too. They they have to like that they're not opening with 18 of their first 21 games on the road like they have the last couple of years. So quite a few more home games to start out this season for the Red Hawks. So but I think some of that was their own choosing, too. True. You could be 100% correct about that. The other big news, which actually came out on Monday, Kevin, Kansas City will host the All-Star Game this season. That will be in July. Um, the 22nd through the 24th, so the 21st will, or 22nd, excuse me, will be the home run derby and, uh, you know, kind of that, which was pretty exciting last year in Milwaukee, and then we will have the game on the 23rd. And uh, first time since, uh, you know, kind of been in this uh, east-west format that the all-star game shifts to the west after two times in the Chicago-Milwaukee area. So, um, the first initial thoughts, and you're seeing Kansas City hosting the team this year, hosting the game this year. I was kind of surprised that they took it on, to be honest with you. I thought maybe if it was going to head out west, it was going to go to either Lincoln or Fargo. So I was surprised that Kansas City was up to the task. And I and I know from what I've been told, it's, it's not a matter of saying, hey, All-Stars come down and we're going to have a game, we're going to have a home run derby in a game. There's just... So many other logistics involved with putting these games on that, you know, it's going to be a tremendous undertaking for the staff in Kansas City, and I'm just really surprised that they wanted to take it on. But, you know, hats off to them. I I think you and I talked about this a bit, and when we saw that the All-Star game was going to be in Kansas City, um, about the fact of that Chicago-Milwaukee area kind of thing allowed for fans to come easily from four other teams with you know Chicago drew people from Gary and Lake Country and Milwaukee and and King County all came up to there uh, last year hats off to all those mascots who traveled from around the league to come to Milwaukee uh, some you know Sioux Falls and 
Sioux City had their guys there. And, uh, so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tip my cap to the guys want to travel. But Kansas City is going to be a, a, a lot harder sell to get outside fans to come. So I, I guess the question to look at, Kevin, is are, are, is Kansas City going to be fired up to draw enough of a fan base for themselves to draw 3,000, 3,500 for that game? And that's going to be the interesting part of this contest. Let's not ignore the elephant in the room. Kansas City has been having trouble drawing fans, period. And even more so on weeknights, of which your derby and home run derby would be on a Monday and a Tuesday night. So if you don't get the real hardcore fans to travel, you're going to really have to promote the heck out of the game. Fireworks nights, both nights, live band afterwards. I don't know what you're going to need to do in order to make this a success. I assume you try to incorporate the Negro League Baseball Museum in any way you can, too. But it's going to be a tough draw because, you know, we look at it the last couple of years. It's been good crowds in Chicago or Milwaukee, but the it's not a packed house for an all-star game because the all-star game in the American Association doesn't pack the same star power as it does with Major League. When you go to a Major League all-star game, you're seeing very possibly the best players in the world all gathering for a game. The American Association, yeah, you know, there's good players, but the guy is not going to drive down to Lincoln because um gosh here's a really good guy in Chicago. I want to I want to go see him. He's my favorite. It that's just not the case in this league. So we'll see how it all turns out. Yeah, it, it it's going to be interesting to see how well that they could draw out there and um you know Mark Brandmeier's had ways to to make this team a success. So we'll we'll I guess we're going to have to wait to see it, but uh, ownership definitely not coming in here quitting, as you talked about, taking on a very daunting task here to host the All-Star game. The nice thing about it, I would assume most of the players or all of them will stay across the parking lot at the hotel there, so that makes for an easy commute and the plenty of stuff to do around the park. If you want to get down there and have a, a great experience um, if you and you haven't been to Kansas City, boy, go out for that All-Star game, because I'll tell you, that that is a that Legends Field area, Kevin, you know it's so much stuff to do around there and a lot of great bars and restaurants and things around there. So even if you're you're not totally 100% into the game, there's still plenty for you to do and go and enjoy down there. It is a real buzzing area. I can remember going down there right when it opened. I believe it was 2005. So they are like in their third year. And really, all there was was like a shopping mall, like you would, or an outlet mall, like you would see, well, just about anywhere else. And then there's just all this open space. Well, I didn't get back to Kansas City till like uh, quite a few years later, I'll put it that way. And I was just amazed about everything that was there compared to when I had gone. So it's definitely a bustling area. Yeah, absolutely exciting time to go there so um again if you're looking for something to do go, go down there and enjoy that game uh even if you don't know all the players from different teams out there and stuff like that 
that that Legends Field area is fantastic. Great Hollywood Casino down there, so you can play that if you wanted, plus a bunch of shopping stuff that's going on, restaurants and bars and all kinds of stuff. So great place to go, for sure. Well, Kevin, uh, you know, now that the schedule is out, this this has has seemingly been the, the time in American Association where you start to see teams get a little more active in the transaction department. However, there are some teams out there making moves already. Not surprised to see Gary Southshore uh, going out there to make some changes out there. As we know for sure now, it looks like, Lamar Rogers is going to be back there with the, the Railcats after uh, owner had a nice time being Lamar for Halloween. So starting there, and I, I think where Lamar Rogers is, knows he has a supportive ownership, uh, has another year under his belt now to start working this team, and, and I think he's, he's laying it out there that this is going to be a year he's going to make some pretty dramatic changes to the club. I, and, you know, it's good, too, that the ownership has given him a chance to prove himself because sometimes when you take on a new position with a new ball club, maybe it's going to take you uh, two, three years to really get things going. You know, I thought I'd bring it up, too. The season is starting May 10th, and I believe, or May 9th, 9th, 10th, somewhere around there. Yes. Yep. It's yep. one of the earlier nice. starts we've seen for the American Association, but that also is due in part that um, I think Labor Day falls on the 1st or 2nd, so it's um, about yep. as early as uh, Labor Day can be, so... You know, you, you backed up everything just because of that. And now we're going to see the championship will be decided by mid-September instead of, like, in the, like, 23rd, 24th of the month, like we've seen in the past. So, you know, it'll be a little cooler for teams starting the season, but it'll be a nice or two to get the playoffs wrapped by mid-September. One of the interesting really things your Gary that... question, but... I had a throw there. <laughs> no, no, no problem at all. And one of the more interesting parts of the schedule that I thought for this year is less of a focus on everybody having Mondays off. I think that there's only three dates this year where that happened, where in previous years they were, they were I mean, four dates, okay, where they were trying to work that out on the schedule. So um, it, it makes it a little harder for us to find guests sometimes, but it also makes sure that there's always good baseball going on every night. I think that was the motive, was to make it tougher on us. <laughs> yes, it was. And, you know, I, I do want to say, fans out there, is that we did wait to record this section of the show, this portion of the show tonight, because the league was coming out with a schedule on Tuesday, and we wanted to make sure we got to talk about that. So we held off because we weren't going to allow the uh, the great information coming out just after we posted the show to occur this time. So, Kevin, we're not letting them get away with that this time around. We did it all for you, you freaks. <laughs> Absolutely. As Kevin said, the season beginning on the 9th, and I believe the last time that they were intending to start this early was the COVID year. Um, the schedule came out, and I think that they were intending to start on the 10th that year as well. And Of course, that season got changed dramatically, but... Let's hope that's not an ominous signal for this year as well. So we'll, we'll see how that comes down. But um, it looks like, uh, 
you know, kind of looking through teams' schedules out there and, and how this is breaking down, um, uh, still primarily a lot of games within your own division, mostly six games out of the division. Winnipeg, for example, has nine against Gary South Shore this year, six against all the other teams. That, that was kind of a nice little break for that, I guess, if you want to call it that. Uh, 13 against Kansas City, though, I'm talking out there. 14 against Sioux Falls. 10 against Lincoln. So, um, given, uh, you know, every, every team is not going to have a balanced, equal schedule against every team out there. And I know that doesn't make some managers particularly happy. They want a, a completely even schedule against every team out there. But I don't think that's really possible to work that out, Kevin. So you got to take what you got to take, I guess. No, I mean, it's probably not doable. Um, and I'm trying mean, for people that, are relatively new to this. You, you know, the league's just not pumping a schedule out there and saying this is a schedule we're we're set. You know, they put they put a draft out there. Teams have a chance to say, oh, we don't like this, this, or this. We want to be home for this, that, and the other thing. So you know, you go, they get those requests in. You redo it, then redo it again, and then you. In the end, you you hope you got a schedule where you know you're as accommodating to everybody as much as possible. But you know, there's still going to be little quirks in there that teams are just have to work around. Fourth of July this season falling on a Thursday, so that will be uh, interesting to see how teams have firework nights. Usually, fire, Friday night winds up being a fire night, firework night as well. So whether they have Wednesday and Friday, if that they they have it, or Thursday and Friday, and so uh, a lot of teams looking out to come out with some stuff that they have going on. I believe, like Sioux City, for example, is doing post game fireworks on the fourth, on both Wednesday and Thursday, the the third and fourth, but not on Friday when Milwaukee comes to town there. So um, two nights is enough. Like three nights in a row is too much, I guess. Kevin is what they're trying to say out there. So. You know, especially with Sioux City, I don't think you want to kill the Golden Goose because those those firework nights have been a big success for them at the gate. So I suppose you don't want to overdo it and then have it not be as big of a deal anymore. That's going to be tough, though, Rob, when you look at it because with the fourth being on a Thursday, a lot of people are just going to make that a long weekend and that likely get out of town and go to a cabin, go go on a little mini vacay or whatever you, you do. For the teams that are going to be home that weekend, that's going to be a tough draw, and that's when you're going to really have to have your promotional team coming up with some really nice game night promotions to try to get people to come out to the park. I think you're 100% correct about that because – you are. You can guarantee that a whole bunch of people are going to take Friday off. Like think to themselves, Wednesday we can leave at noon or three or or whatever, and and then take all the way to Sunday. So uh, not a lot of work getting done on the fifth. I have a feeling this year. So well, Kevin, I think that uh, leads us to the end of American Association news out this week. So we're we're up to shout outs. Um, you know, I have to say, I I. I I'm I'm glad that they, you know, they took the not expecting Josh Buckholz to sit there with a pencil and 
12 erasers and a big sheet trying to figure out the schedule every year. But but I miss those days. Uh, you know, computer just kind of takes the fun out of it as far as I'm concerned. I, I like I the handwritten deal. I was just envisioning him in this basin with a lat lantern going and, you know, like little push pins all over the place and just burning the midnight oil, just trying to come up with the perfect schedule. It was a, almost like a Norman Rockwell-like visual. <laughs> Absolutely. So it takes kind of the... the uh, I, I don't know what the exact word is there. Like the the joy out of part of it or something. The, the whole ambiance of it or, or something. It just it just doesn't seem as fun as a computer wound up figuring it out. That, that's not a, as enjoyable. But that's the age we live in now, I guess, Kevin. So we're going to have to just tolerate it. I would say fans should watch uh, for promotions and, and uh, what teams will start doing now that the schedule is out here. So plan on seeing those within the, probably the next three or four weeks. And as we were talking about, managers will start getting busy knowing what their schedule is going to look like this year and what they have to come up with and battle again. So should be a fun times coming up over here even throughout November. So lots of stuff happening these days. I also, before we shout out, actually this is going to be my shout out for this week, Kevin, I'll say. Um, Mike Meyer corrected me. I have to say out there, he was he was a little disappointed. So first of all, thanks, Mike, for listening to the show. So I have to pat you on the back. Thank you for very much for that. But he was right. Mike Meyer, Halloween. He should be the Halloween guest, and he and he totally volunteered, Kevin, to be our our regular Halloween guest every year. So we may keep Dan as the Thanksgiving guy and and Brad at Christmas. But you know, my, Mike's right about being the Halloween guy for us. I, I guess we can make it work. <laughs> right out. Who's Kevin Shadow? Oh, my exactly. shout out this week is going to be to um, to Mike Vec for getting back into the minor league baseball game once again. As Mike Vec, along with some of his psychic Bill Murray, will be partners, along with Mike's son Night Train, to be the first team that Night Train has ownership in, as they are just a city council vote away from taking over the Joliet Slammers of the of the Frontier League. So congrats to them. And, you know, Joliet's been a good market for independent slash partner league baseball, and I'm really excited to see what, um, what Mike and Night Train have in store for the Joliet market. And I'm going to throw this out here. This is my conspiracy theory. I am going to say in 2025, expansion will feature Joliet and Schaumburg joining the American Association. That would get Pat Salvi back into the American Association with the Schaumburg Boomers. So I'm predicting now the Boomers and Slammers will be part of the American Association in the near future. I'm because I think, uh, I, think that, yeah. I think American Association baseball is better with a VEC in it. I agree. And how about six teams then in that Chicago-Milwaukee area? Man, that would make for some incredible rivalries well, and some very sure, happy travel. Right? Yeah, I'm, they would just pretty much be their own division. 
Absolutely. So that you know, you're up to like eighteen teams, but yeah. I'm with that. So let's roll with that. Kevin better be right because that'll make the league a ton better. So even if he's not right at the moment, it's time for them to start swinging on that and making that happen. Uh, that's what I'd like to say. Well, uh, we will have Mike Meyer on the show next week as he will come in to talk about the Sioux Falls Canaries from last season and this upcoming season and talk to us a little bit about the new contract that he has. So we're excited to hear Mike is going to be back this season. So that should be fantastic. Uh, Kevin and I want to thank, once again, Logan Watkins for joining us this week and look forward to what he's got going on. So for Kevin Luco, I'm Rob Panier, and we'll see you next time on This Week in the Association.